Hello and welcome to another special edition of Work Human Radio. My name is Mike Wood. I am your host. And today, Steve Pemberton is going to be talking to Joe Hirsch. Uh, you may remember I spoke to him last year at Work Human. Um, it was a great conversation. He's a great guy. Uh, Joe, he's the managing director of Samantha Partners, and he specializes in helping organizations apply behavioral science to strengthen the way leaders train, support, and empower their teams for success. He's on the forefront of how work is changing. And we are very happy that Steve was able to talk to him. So enjoy this interview between Steve Pemberton and Joe Hirsch. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve Pemberton, the Chief Human Resources Officer at Work Human. And today, as part of our Keeping Work Human series, I am joined by Joe Hirsch, who is the Managing Director at Semica Partners and author of The Feedback Fix. Joe specializes in helping organizations apply behavioral science to the way leaders train, support, and empower their teams for success. And boy, do we need a lot of that now. Uh, so Joe, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good, Steve, how are you? Uh, dealing with an ever-changing world. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, when did all of this begin to unfold for you? Do you remember that moment when uh, you began to realize a couple of things? One, that, hey, this is a little bit more serious than, um, you know, we, we were giving it um, credit for. And then the other companion question of that is about how your work specifically focused on empowering teams is going to shift and change as a result. I think it at home in two ways for me. First, professionally, when a number of clients that had hired me to speak at events started canceling those events or postponing them, then I realized we were up against something more than just a common cult. Uh, this is something very serious that was concerning to people, and it was causing them to make a lot of very difficult decisions. But more personally, I felt it as soon as my kids' schools closed. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, I was juggling work and, and home lives like I never had been doing before. And I know that's the case for so many working people out there, that the boundary between work life and personal life has become blurrier than ever. And it really made me realize why it's so important that we look after the total employee while we see our people not just as uh, contributors to the work that we do, but also as individuals who have lives of their own. And that's very much a part of what animates my work. Yeah, and I, I uh, would imagine that you're getting a lot of calls uh, about how your work now is taking on even increased significance. I mean, you know, the reality is that oftentimes, no doubt, you've had to do a little bit of convincing as, as to why empowering, uh, you know, teams uh, and specifically focus on feedback, you know, matters. But I, I got to imagine that there's been a more ready and willing appetite <laughs> uh, and look for guidance about how to manage these things. It's, it's definitely rising to people's attention like it hasn't before. Because we all recognize that a lot of problems at work start out as communication breakdowns, right? Like a lack of clarity or a lack of consistency in our message. And especially when we're dealing with virtual teams and we're managing from afar, how we communicate, the words that we say, the messages that we share, they take on this heightened level of importance. And it's becoming very clear to people that if feedback was a symptom there is an underlying problem. The underlying problem being the way that we think about our relationship with our employees, how we see ourselves as managers, and the assumptions that we make about how people work every single day. 
Yeah. Let's back up a step um, to a, you know, kind of a, a pre-COVID-19 world. Um, and and what, what got you on this path um, and, and this specific focus? What was, you know, the evolution of your process for those who are listening to this and saying, hey, how did, you know, Joe uh, go down, uh, you know, this path? How did feedback uh, become his life's work? Yeah, uh, I guess as an educator, and that's my training, I was in the business of giving a lot of feedback, but I didn't get a lot of it. And when I did, it wasn't very good. Like most people, it felt like it belonged to a path that I couldn't change and was focusing on events that I couldn't control. And it made me wonder that if this is the feedback that I'm getting, how is my feedback sounding to others? You know, am I, am I coming across the same way that others are coming across to me? And if I'm having that problem, then maybe others are too. Mm. So I began to look at some of the research and some of the practices that, that sort of guide the way we think about feedback and communication in general. And it helps me realize that with simple changes in the way we think about not only our message, but changes that we can make in our mindset, we can dramatically change the tone and the trajectory of the feedback that we share in a way that leaves people feeling like more of themselves and not less. I was struck by something you you just said about feedback, referring to something in the past. Uh, unpack that for me a little bit more. So when we talk about the past, we can't change it. We can't control it. It, it is literally dried cement. And most of the time, that's where the conversations are taking place. They're focused squarely on the events of the unchangeable past. And that's a place of great pain and discomfort. Because if you were giving me feedback about a job that I did last quarter or last project, I can't do anything about that now. I can't change what I did. I can't revisit those events. But when you start to make a shift towards the future and think about not just past performance, but future potential, it's a better place. It operates free of judgment and subjectivity. It operates in a moment of possibility and potential rather than unchangeable events. And that's where I want to help everybody see the feedback opportunity, not focused on a past that can no longer be changed, but really centered on a future that can, on events that are still within the control of individuals. And ultimately, to see people as more of themselves than not less. Yeah, that, and that is no small shift uh, that, that you're suggesting here. Uh, because for years the work has been anchored in that unchangeable past. Um, and I, we see this around a lot of diversity and inclusion work, for example, uh, where, you know, the damage has been done, the opportunity has been lost. Uh, and with this, this emerging uh, world of technology, it seems that we would have the ability to provide real-time, actionable feedback that has this derivative benefit of driving efficiency, driving innovation, but also helping with all of the people part of our, of our organizations, retention, recruiting, growing one's career. Um, it, it, it kind of makes me wonder, what's the pause then? You know, if you have all these seemingly awareness or opportunities, what's the resistance that, that you've seen uh, about uh, this, this long overdue need to shift towards actionable feedback? 
a lot of managers that I work with and speak to are afraid of two things. One is a time issue, and the other is a technique issue. So for time, they simply worry that all these continuous performance conversations, just-in-time check-ins, are going to deplete them of all of their working hours. And the other assumption uh, they make is that they lack the skill to deliver this uh, with the right amount of finesse and effect. And that's, I think those are fair assumptions and, and, and they're okay concerns. But what my work is helping people realize is that instead of being a time suck, this is a time generator. Can it help you recapture so much time that you would have lost otherwise trying to forensically reconstruct the past come, uh, come review time? And as far as technique, every individual has within his or her capabilities, a coach approach, a portfolio of skills, of human qualities that allow us to reframe the entire conversation from something that is high stakes, to high frequency, something that is focused on uh, rigor and metrics to something that is uh, augmented with relationships and development. And I want people to see feedback as natural as breathing or as conversation that we're having right now. We didn't have to prepare for this. We didn't have to scope it or shape it. We're talking to each other like two individuals. We're understanding each other where we are. And once you operate with certain shifts in your mindset, the message follows. And so adopting a coach approach to giving feedback helps us see people not just for who they are, but also who they are becoming. And to not just focus on the present, but also to help imagine the future, to see where they're going, not just where they've been. You know, I, I was I was smiling when uh, you again. It's it's an important shift to make uh, that none of us come into the world fully formed, and that that is true throughout the duration of our life. Um, it, and it's and it's no accident that uh, the word becoming is going to be one of these other shifts that we're all in a state of becoming. Um, and this expectation that uh, you, you be arriving, you know, you have arrived already. Uh, is another shift that a lot of managers are going to have to make, and therefore, uh, you know, understand that that's where development and growth and and the like actually comes in. Uh, something that I'm getting asked a lot, I know you're getting asked a lot, is how this forced move, because this is what this is, you know, this forced move to remote work. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, ask you to, to to be a futurist here. Um, to, to what degree do you see some permanence? to uh, this forced remote work as a result of the pandemic? Well, um, as a futurist, I try not to make predictions, especially about the future. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, 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 think, uh, I think this is already happening, and I, I think this is going to stay. Um, I was chatting with some members of the team beforehand about some of the changes that we're going through right now in our business, our client, and I see it as a net game. I see it as a positive. Uh, certainly. Uh, Every business, every solopreneur is grappling with very, very difficult issues right now. And overnight, the world was upended. But I already think the world was starting to change. There was already, Steve, a growing recognition out there that just-in-time conversation, that a focus on development, not just metrics, was the wave of the future. And that if we really want to help people arrive, as you said, or become the very best versions of themselves and capture the full measure of their potential. We can't wait for these events to pass 
we, we can't regulate feedback um, on, a, on a cyclical pattern. It has to flow with the rhythms of work. And so one big change that I think is happening, and I hope will stay, and I, I think it will, is the shift towards just-in-time conversations that are happening with greater regularity now, especially as teams are distributed and workplaces are shuttered and teams have gone virtual. Uh, if you had to check in with someone who sat just a few feet from you, uh, it's even more important to check in with someone who's sitting in a different zip code or in a different city because that distance creates tremendous discord. Mm. And unless we can overcome that distance with, with greater frequency of conversation by shifting from high stakes to high frequency, then we're going to just be back where we started. We'll come out of this crisis having done a few things differently, but never really changed. If you do something once, it's a moment, but if you do it again and again and again, then it's a habit. Right. And what I'm hoping is that we'll develop a feedback habit where we're going to fix our feedback in a way that focuses much more on the real time, not just the some of the time. Where we focus on people and not just metrics and, and really serve them because ultimately our people are as only as good as the service that we provide them. I suspect that one of the assessments of how this came to be is going to revolve around this very issue. Uh, that, uh, you know, pandemics, regrettably so, are not new. Uh, we have seen the proliferation of them in our time. Um, and just go down the list, right? Uh, Ebola, uh, H1N1, SARS. I mean, you know, it's, it's not as if we didn't know that there was a pot, this, that this was a possibility. And yet you can already begin to hear some of uh, the alarms being rung across the globe. And them simply not being listened, not being prioritized, and yet it still comes back to not just you know the feedback, but the ways in which that feedback is digested and then prioritized, you know, as, as well. Which got me thinking a little bit about your distinction between feeding forward and, and feedback. What's the distinction uh, for you between those two? Yeah, so feedback in its traditional sense, operates on a path that people can change, not a future that people can. And it's focused on weaknesses. Because in the past, we're looking at what people didn't do, moments they didn't see, opportunities they missed. Feed forward, a concept that Marshall Goldsmith introduced and that with his blessing and support I've, I've developed uh, with a science and a strategy, is focused on a strength-based, future-ready kind of feedback mm. that focuses not just on who people are in this moment, but who they might still become with our help. And it operates on the assumption that we as the people giving feedback don't have the best view of the situation. That belongs to the person on the other end of that conversation, the feedback receiver. And so to help that person hear our messages better, we have to do two things. We have to practice greater humility and we have to show more curiosity. And this combination of humility and curiosity uh, is what animates feed forward thinking about the unfolding future instead of the unchanging past. Mm. And mm. the practices that go with that are, are very natural to people. And it's just a matter of helping them unlock sort of the natural curiosity that they already possess and practice a greater sense of humility in their work as managers that they may not necessarily have at the moment, but can easily obtain. You know, um, uh, and, and I'm thinking about this through the lens of the response to COVID-19 in particular. 
And clearly we're seeing a lot of voices, right, in the world of, the, in the medical field, in the world of politics. And, uh, but I am, I am struck by those who have spent a lifetime studying this. Um, and, and Dr. Fauci in particular, who, I don't know if he would even frame it this way, but he almost seems to personify exactly what you're saying. When, you, when I'm listening to him talk about it, it is with a certain kind of humility about the power that this virus in any virus has. And yet there's also this kind of curiosity um, about how you can stop it, how you can arrest it, how you can lower, lower numbers. You know, it just seems to me that, you know, the, the, that those two elements of feeding forward, uh, if you can apply that as, as a, as a way to respond specifically uh, uh, healthcare organizations, political entities and leaders can all kind of adopt that. I mean, you know, it's not a stretch to say that that spirit and culture that you're suggesting here um, could bend the arc of future responses uh, because it's not the blame. That would be a great world. <laughs> it would be a much better place to live, a world in which our leaders uh, practice humility and curiosity. Look, at the end of the day, as managers, we don't know everything. And we can't do it. So assuming those two truths, <laughs> that cause for every manager to take a step back and to ask himself or herself, okay, what assumptions am I making here? What, uh, what am I thinking about this person that, that may not be true? And mm -hmm. instead of prescribing uh, change and presuming fact, I should be listening and learning. I should yeah. listen more to what the other person is saying and learning from what they have to say. And when you get into the nuts and bolts of speed forward, that, that is exactly how this works uh, in, in everyday conversation. With managers practicing greater humility and demonstrating greater curiosity and, and saying, you know what, I'm going to be a learn-it-all instead of a know-it-all. Yes. I'm going to stop describing yeah. and presuming. I'm going to start listening and learning. Yeah, it's almost as if you, I, I, I was actually saying this on a, on a call earlier um, today about something unrelated, and I, in essence, um, was saying everybody's part of a broader context, use your mouth and ears in the proportion that they were given to you. Uh, <laughs> and so it's like, and I think the more successful, the more you ascend in your career, the more that that's necessary, because everything around you says, well, no, look, you know, I'm... You know, I'm Joe Hirsch. I'm the managing director here. And all of the affect and sometimes a natural deference, you know, to the leader, to me, is it's almost incumbent upon the leader um, to do two things. And I've learned, because I, I will confess, I uh, am born of a particular will um, that I had to have for a lot of different uh, reasons. And, and I, but I came to realize over time that I had a responsibility as a leader to create the very environment that you're talking about. And, and I learned to do that with a couple of questions. I'm going to add what you said to those questions. What assumptions am I making? Because I think that's really, really important. And I also learned to ask my team, um, so um, what am I not seeing? And it was almost like this open invitation to say exactly what you're saying that there's more wisdom in the collective than the singular. So I know that this org chart says that I'm here in this position, but it doesn't mean I know more than all of us, you know, combined. I may be here to guide, uh, but I always thought that was my responsibility to create this environment to ask, what am I missing? Uh, what don't I see? 
that all of us could, you, you get it, you, in other words, it seems to me that you make those, the behavior of asking that, that question gets at the humility and curiosity that, that you rightly point out we need. I think leaders get the cultures they deserve, right? Yeah. Uh, they get the organizations they deserve. And when leaders model that humility and that curiosity, it not only makes it possible, but uh, it, it makes it more likely that everyone else around them will speak up. And the leaders who uh, don't want to listen will eventually be surrounded by people who don't want to say. Right. And right. when leaders uh, take it upon themselves to practice this approach, whether it's with feedback or more broadly in the way they communicate and relate with uh, to their teams, mm. they allow everyone else around them permission to do the same. So it becomes a force multiplier. The culture literally shifts uh, with the leader's permission. I think of it as uh, like the difference between being a, a window gazer and a mirror. Right? If I hold a mirror up to you, my view doesn't matter. Right? It's the view that I'm reflecting back to you. And so when I hold that mirror to you in a conversation and I ask you, what do you see here? The two things will happen. Number one, you will feel that I genuinely care about your opinion. Because instead of me prescribing and presuming, I'm listening and I'm learning. But also more importantly, I, as the person asking that question, the person higher up on that org chart, I'm going to finally get the information that I need. Mm-hmm. The information that I might not know otherwise if I just operate in an echo chamber where people are telling me what I want to hear or where I only seek out information that I want to hear. Yeah. yeah. So this is important for culture, but it's also a business objective. Companies with humble leaders outperform those that do not. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a recent work human um, report, the State of Humanity at Work, just released a few weeks ago, showed the importance of the way that leaders can make a difference in the engagement and the happiness of their employees, you know, by providing them with the resources that they need, by being there as a resource for them to listen and to be available and to exert presence and to make themselves feel like they see their employees. That's a dramatic change on the way that people view their work, but also view themselves. And I hope that more leaders start to think like that when the COVID-19 crisis passes, because every crisis is an opportunity. And this is an opportunity that I hope people won't miss. Yeah. Joe, well, what a great way uh, to, to end our, our, our conversation. Uh, tell us a little bit more about where we can, um, where we can tell people to get the feedback fix. Uh, uh, a lot of what you've referenced, I've, I've heard from, certainly from a number of folks in the work human family. Um, uh, and, and I'm sure it'd be worth uh, a, a good read. Yeah, so um, really anywhere books are sold, Amazon, I think being the most uh, reliable place. Uh, you can also find more information about my work and my research at uh, Joe Hirsch, J-O-E-H-I-R-S-C-H dot me, uh, because I am me. And whoever has joehirsch.com, <laughs> appreciate that. Um, he only wants $50,000 for the domain name. It's, it's no big deal. Um, so love talking with you, Steve, and uh, love the work uh, that Work Human is so devoted to. It's, it's so important. And no matter what happens in this crisis, in its wake, I know that two things will be true. Number one, our society is going to come out stronger. And number two, our relationships at work are going to come out more human. Because if this is teaching us anything, it's that we really do rely on each other. And there really is no difference between our work lives and our personal lives. I mean, my kid could have 
come into this garage at any minute with questions about snacks or long division, right? And it would have been totally normal because right. that's the world we're living in right now. And, and I hope that's a world that we continue to live in when it's all past. A world where we see people, a world where people feel they can be seen and where we see them. Joe, real honor and a real pleasure uh, to be with you. And from, uh, from, from the Work Human family to your family, uh, stay safe and healthy and well. All the best, Steve. Blessings. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. In a special note of gratitude to our friend Joe Hirsch, who gave us some wonderful tips and insights, certainly on feedback, but more importantly, on feed forward, which is something that we can all do. For a deeper dive into our content to see this interview again and others that we have been doing for the last uh, 10 days or so, please visit workhuman.com. And if you have any thoughts or questions or insights for me, send them to me directly at steve at workhuman.com. Thanks again for joining. We'll see you soon.